0: Hello and welcome to Twin Talk. This is Angie and I'm here with my sister Joy and today we're going to be discussing the book The Last of the Mohicans. Hi Joy. Hello. So it's been an interesting evening. So right now we're up in my we're at my mom's our mother's house and we're in the one of the upstairs bedrooms Mm -hmm. and we've got the door shut because this microphone picks up our kids from downstairs which is crazy i know they're playing monopoly and they're not being that loud but this yeti i'll have to do a shout out to this yeti microphone Mm -hmm. oh my goodness we're at a two-story house we're in an upstairs room, mm-hmm. which we are near the stairs, and you it was picking up almost every word they were saying, like when they were playing Monopoly. This it, microphone is incredible. You know, that commercial where it's the little hearing listening device yes. that you can and <laughs> listen into your neighbors and yeah. they can hear like 50 feet away. That's what I feel like. I know, like this, we you can, can use this, like if you're a private eye, if you're a detective, <laughs> you could totally take this Yeti microphone and hear people, like you know, a mile yeah. away. Also, we're under a severe storm watch. Oh, that's There's worth mentioning. <laughs> possi- possibility of hail, strong winds, and possible tornadoes. To oh, great. our way. It's uh, northeast Oklahoma and uh, northwest Arkansas and the River Valley. So, oh, gosh. So, this last of the Mohicans, it could be a very memorable podcast podcast great of course we are in it's may and this is definitely a turbulent time of year for us we're used to this every year you know kind of dread may because it means Mm -hmm. tornado season yeah i love storms but not if they involve tornadoes right yeah i'm all about storms i just don't i don't like the high winds or the tornadoes so let's just hope and we've been very very fortunate we have not had a tornado in this area in years Years. Mm -hmm. so let's just hope we dodge another bullet tonight um okay so also worth mentioning is joy's been feeling great all day Mm -hmm. up until she drove over here tonight and when she got here she had a really bad sinus yeah i don't know why it's the weirdest thing i I felt really because i suffer from sinus uh, problems a lot but today i felt really good but just on the drive over here I just suddenly started developing this sinus headache. I don't know if it could be the barometric pressure from all this weather that's coming in. I don't know, Hmm. but by the time I got here, it was pounding. So I've taken two aspirins and some, Hmm. uh, what's it? Something mom gave you some sinus or decongestant or something. And we found some... been a drill on her medicine cabinet but the expiration date was um 2010 2010 so September thought, eh, of 2010 we'll it's funny because I that. saw the bottle years old 11 years past the expiration date yeah I, I saw the build. bottle and I literally was thinking that looks old you know how that's you can tell the yellowed. label <laughs> looks yellowed and I was like surely that's not and yeah it was 11 years old so we we but need to chunk it, it yeah we didn't use it <laughs> Okay, so Joy, um, okay, so this is a little different because we're just going to be discussing Last of the Mohicans. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've read the book, Joy Has Not. Right. So this is going to be a whole new learning experience for Joy. Yes. And uh, up until tonight, you know, I knew, I've known for about a week now I was going to do this. We've had a couple conversations about this by phone, et cetera, et cetera. Enjoy, we've had so many twin moments, and you have no idea. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm going into this blind because, (laughs) okay, I've seen the movie. Yeah. And I I just feel like I know absolutely nothing about the book. So I'm excited. I'm I'm interested. I want to hear what you have to say. I I want to to know what the book is about. I mean, I have a general idea because I've seen the movie, Mm -hmm. but I'm just curious to see what you have to say about it. Well, in all fairness, the last time I read the book was in two thousand and six, oh, so I kind of feel like we're exactly, in the same how boat. Do you Know that because you wrote it. Like I, that's going to come up in the podcast. Oh. It's going to be an interesting fact that I'm going to bring interesting. up. Yay. Yeah. So, um, so the last of the Mohicans. I I, I don't know. I mean, it's I'm trying to think if people have heard of it. I'm thinking surely people have heard of this book. It is a. It's considered a classic. What's that noise? <laughs> it sounds like your computer's buffering or something. Maybe we both just at It sounds like, like your noise. computer's got some. I don't know what's going on. I hope that stops because I don't want that I in hope our. It's not. Um, it's some type the of tornado some coming. Some type of weird feedback. All okay. right. Well, let's just go on just and if it through. let's push through and hopefully it'll stop soon. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, the last of the Mohicans. It's. It, a narrative of 1757 is what it says. Um, So it's by James Fenmore Cooper. Have you heard of him? Yes. Okay. I mean, that's the only reason I've heard of him, because I, I associate that name with The Last of the Mohicans, although has he written anything else um, of that's do, noteworthy? Do we want to pause just for a minute and figure out where this feedback's coming from and then resume? Can we do that? Can uh, we pause and then resume this? Because I don't want this feedback on the podcast. I don't know what... Okay, we're back. We we paused it, so you probably didn't even notice we were gone. But anyway, we hopefully that issue is taken care, to, care of. Okay, so just a real quick summary. Uh, Last of the Mohicans is a historical romantic novel that was the second book of the Leatherstocking Tales, and it's the best known. Letter of oh, Leather. They were called the Leather Stocking Tales. That does Tales. sound familiar to me. So he basically wrote a series of stories called the Leather Stocking Tales, and this was the second book. And okay. this is the, the one that's kind of remained in, in, in our culture today, been, stayed popular throughout okay. the time. Um, the setting is 1757 during the French and Indian War when France and Britain battled for control of North America. Okay, set primarily in the area of Lake George, North, North New York. I'm sorry. So if you're like me, French and Indian War. Yeah. Don't even ask me anything about right. it. I, had, I don't know anything about it. I, all I know is it was basically it was France and Britain. They were battling for control of North America. Okay. Okay. 1757. You said yes. So we don't have our independence yet. No. Okay. No, it's um. I just think it's funny that the French and the British are fighting. They're both control, wanting control of... Right, and neither one of them end up getting control. Yeah, yeah, you make, you make a good point there. <laughs> okay, so the storyline, let's just talk about the storyline okay. for just a minute and, and why, why in my opinion, why it's such a good story. It's about a British officer named Colonel Monroe, and he's requested the safe passage of his two daughters, uh, Cora and Alice. Um He's at Fort William Henry. Okay, that's where he's stationed, and he's okay. he's asked this caravan of men to guard the women and bring them to him. Okay, and the the men in the caravan are Natty Bumpo or Hawkeye. Which I always thought was the funniest name. Oh, so you remember that name? Uh, yeah. Oh, Natty Bumpo. It's funny yeah. you remember that name because I don't think that was in the movie. I don't know then how I know that name. But um, I know that name. Okay, but he's it's Natty Bumpo, but then he was also called Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. And just a little piece of trivia, Hawkeye from M.A.S.H., Yes, his character, according to an article I read, his character was named after Hawkeye oh. of, of this story. I didn't know that. And of course, mm-hmm. like everybody else, he was my favorite character on yeah. M.A.S.H. Yeah, so they said in the storyline of M.A.S.H., his dad supposedly named him Hawkeye after Hawkeye okay. from this, yeah. Okay, so Hawkeye was one of the ones guarding them, Major Hayward, who was a British officer, two Indians, Chingachuk. I don't know how to say that. And Uncas, and a native god by the name of Magua. Okay. okay. Chingagook and Unca were the two Mohicans. Okay. okay. Hence the title, right? And I have a question, which this okay. may come up later, but yeah. is this where we get our word Mohawk from, is the Mohicans? Well, that, I think that's what they call Mohawk Indians, is Mohicans. I thought. I don't know. That's a good question, but I, I don't... Oh, the Mohawk Indians, here come, so you don't say here come the Mohawkians, you say here come the Mohawkians. I, that's, <laughs> how, that's how I, and I may be oh, so wrong. there is a tribe called the Mohawk. Yes, oh, yes, yes, yeah, they're a, This that. is a, they're a real tribe. Okay, yes. so I didn't even realize that. Yeah, and I I just assumed that was, I but think I may be wrong. It's interesting that hmm. as a teacher, and now it's very rare, but the hmm. other day, well this year, matter of fact, a boy was walking through the hall and he had a huge Mohawk. Oh like everything shaved the, on both sides of his head. You I know, know where you're big, going with huge this. Mohawk. Okay. But my point is, wow, that word is oh uh, still around in our language today. Yeah. So um Okay, so oh that's the error that's kicked mm-hmm. on. Okay. So yeah I never thought about that. Mo- the Mohawk. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, you're right. Isn't that something? Okay. Okay, so basically we've got okay, we've got the British officer, the the two um Mohawk Indians, Natty Bumpo, and then they've got a native who's their guide who knows the area really well, Magua. Okay, well, right off the bat, they're all suspicious of Magua. They believe he's a Huron scout who's allied with the French. Oh, okay. Well, okay, turns out their, suspic- their suspicions are confirmed. They find oh, out he okay. is indeed the enemy. He was trying to lead them. Like, at one point in the story, he's like, I know a shortcut. You know? So I wish <laughs> I had known all of this before <laughs> I watched the movie because I was confused a lot during the movie yes and I, i'm glad you mentioned that and we're actually mm-hmm. going to talk about that and like okay. so was i okay okay so when they start getting suspicious of him is when he's like hey i know a shortcut you know yeah. and of course they're having they're at his mercy because he's their guy right but and then of course um hawkeye he's a pretty smart guy and he's like mm, something's not right which one is the one place Played by Daniel Day Lewis. Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So once Magua realized they're on to him, he flees. Okay? okay. He he gets out of, gets out of there real quick. Okay. So uh, it turns out this is kind of interesting. Okay. There's a reason Magua is seeking revenge. Okay. He's seeking revenge against Colonel Monroe, the girl's father. Okay. Okay. So he really was trying to lead them into harm's way, it's like a trap or an ambush. Yes. Or he something. was going to have them ambushed and just kill them all. He's really okay. wanting to, He really wanted. Uh, the blood of Cora and Alice because he hates their father. Okay? Okay. And what this, did their dad do to him? Okay, this is what's so funny. Okay. okay, so he believes that their dad is responsible for turning him into an alcoholic. Oh. So, I guess in his mind, this is where I should have researched a little further, but I guess in his mind, the white man brought alcohol... Okay. And, and he, you know, they're, they, supl- I guess the British help supply them with whiskey, whatever. Okay. And he can't handle the drink and right. he becomes a drunk. Okay. Well, because he's such a horrible, a horrible drunk, uh, he's horrible and they, his own tribe takes him to the whipping post and whips him. Oh. And then they expel him from their tribe. Oh, so he's like a, a cast out, so a region. So all bitterness. Yes. But why does he aim all that bitterness at one person and not just the white I, man? in general? Honestly, that's something I should have I should have explored that a little bit further. That was okay. just the general summary why? that I got from you know. Then I and I didn't really have time to go in okay. and see exactly why he thought he specific. Maybe why? he represented the so white to man because he, Captain Monroe, it's, it's like a leader. He's a leader. Yeah, he's symbolic. I believe so he's symbolic, and he's yeah. yeah. And uh, after this, I'll probably find out that maybe he had more of a direct. Uh, Influence right. on him than what I'm thinking, but okay. so anyway, the rest of the book's basically about these men trying to protect these women in this wild wilderness. Mm-hmm. It's you know it's full of everywhere they turn there's enemies, French and Indians. Right. And there's hostile Indians and there's no, wait, French I'm Indians. Sorry, so Cora and what was this? Alice, Alice, Alice Monroe? Their dad, he's a British officer. Yes, Colonel Monroe. So their <clears throat> enemies would be the French. Yes. So, okay. they're, yeah, they're so, they're trends. constantly avoiding the French and the Indians who are allied with the French, okay. which the Hurons, I believe, were allied okay. with them. So, basically, if this is, t- t- you know, action and adventure, that doesn't even come close to this. But, I mean, mm-hmm. it is full. If you like action and adventure and throw in some romance, mm-hmm. then this is a, a awesome story. Right. Um, there's and I personally, I love the storyline. Cause I mean, how romantic is that? I mean, it's yeah. I mean, you're going through this untamed wilderness. <coughs> You've got these men protecting these women against the, mm. well, in this case, I guess they're portrayed as the bad guy. I yes. Now, uh, the next thing I was going to talk about, you actually just mentioned, and I was just going to mention that the storyline's really hard to follow at times, mm-hmm. because it's hard to keep track of who's doing what to who and why. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. I was confused through the whole movie, but that's not... I get confused usually. Oh. So, I was like, I'm sure this makes sense to everybody else, but I was so confused. Well, who so... Who was who and what was what and why. So, I'll movie? just say this. Last of the Mohicans is one of my favorite movies. Okay. Okay. Oh, yes. I knew that. And I have it... Like, I have a little shelf of all my favorite movies movies, mm. and it's it's on there. And I've probably seen the movie. I've probably, excuse me, I've probably seen it four or five times, yeah. maybe. I don't know. But you know, but- and maybe, <clears> and I watched it on DVD, uh, and maybe I just had a bad copy, but I remember it was Really dark and grainy. I remember it was, like, not good quality. It was hard for me to tell what was going on sometimes. I just remember thinking, Like the scenes maybe were dark. Yeah, they were hard to see what was going on. But once again, I think it was an old DVD. Well, and I wanted to watch the movie before we did this podcast Mm -hmm. just to refresh my memory. But today I watched a bunch of scenes on YouTube. Yeah. So it kind of refreshed my memory. But um, I just wanted to say that um, I read the wikipedia version about the movie oh, right. and i gotta tell you it helped me tremendously I should have yeah done that. yeah um So, the Wikipedia, I was like, oh, 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 okay. Okay. Now I see why. It totally helped clarify. And I wish Mm -hmm. I would have read that, like you said, before I even had read the book or watched the movie. You know how Daniel Day-Lewis in the movies, you know, I guess he's supposed to be really good looking and brave Mm -hmm. and strong. Is that how he's portrayed in the book? Like he's supposed to be like this almost hero? Yeah, and actually, uh, you're jumping ahead just a little oh, bit. Okay. We are going to talk about that. Okay. And you know me and my OCD. I got to... Oh, yeah. If, if, that'll throw me off if we talk about Continue that right on. now. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Okay, so the only other thing I wanted to mention, I, there is. I just want to warn you that the end of the book is so sad. It's oh, really sad. Really? Yes. Does the movie not end like the book does? Um, no, no. Okay. Because in the movie, it kind of ends with just some deaths. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how else to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the book, yeah, it ends with a couple of people dying, but mm-hmm. they describe their funeral pr- processions. Oh. And there's two funeral and I'm not gonna say who I don't want to spoil this. But there's two funeral well, processions. Is anyone actually going to read this after listening to Well, no, but they might or... watch the movie. Oh. So, but in the book, can we know who died? We're going to talk about that too. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's- in the movie. I don't even remember who died in the movie. Okay, you're right. I guess I'm making too big of a deal of well, this, you know, but spoiler alert. Yeah, but it's actually it's 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 on down. Like I said, I, you know me. Oh, yeah. I got to keep with my outliner yeah, It's going to screw me on. all up. Okay, so so just like I said, just be prepared if you, <laughs> like I said, I, we're going to talk about how I don't recommend you read the book in a minute, <laughs> but Bye. but honestly. That was a really good part of the yeah. book. Was the funeral person? Se- it just was. It was just beautiful, and it was. Mm-hmm. It was heart wrenching. It was described. It was described. It was just like when I got through reading that book, I I literally felt like I had just lost the love of my life. I, I just felt like I was like, oh, also, I. Get <laughs> Hawk Crying. Guy I uh, who? What did you? Hawkeye. Say? You just said you. I thought oh, like you said he hot lost- guy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you said you felt like you lost the love of your life. Yeah. Does that mean Hawkeye died? We're gonna
1: talk about that, Joel. Okay. Okay. i asking questions. Okay. Asking
0: questions. Okay. okay, so as you can gather, the only reason I read the book was because I watched the movie. Okay. okay, I probably would have never read that book had, no, I, not, I, had that. I not watched the movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the movie came out in 19... 19- just like is... I Capture the Castle, you yes. right. I probably would have never read that book if I had not seen the movie. Yes, yeah. yes, and the movie was... I just loved the movie so much, I was like, dang, i got to read that book. Mm-hmm. Um, so it came out in 1992. I don't remember if I saw it when it came out or later, but so like you said, it starred Daniel Day-Lewis as Hawkeye and Madeline Stowe as Cora. Okay, Uncas, he's the son, Mm -hmm. okay, the Mohican son. Mm -hmm. He was played by a gentleman by the name of Eric Schweig, S-C-H-W-E-I-G. Joy, he was born in 1967. He's just a few years uh, older than us. Okay, let me say this about Eric Schweig. I found him incredibly attractive, okay. <laughs> and I'm trying to think his character he, he is. Was. The he's one of the Moh- Mohawk okay. Indians. He's the son. Okay, even and better looking than Daniel Day Lewis. Were you? More oh my gosh! Than there is no comparison. Oh, I, I don't Sweet. think. Okay, I personally do not find Daniel Day Lewis attractive. Right. Okay. Do you? Uh, honestly I don't even I remember I always think of the cover of the Harlequin Romance the guy standing yes. there with his hair blowing just think that's of his I, hair I completely, completely what's the guy that plays the flute that's kind of bald on top that has the long hair <laughs> he's real famous oh my gosh uh, the I, flute yes doesn't he play like the flute what? are you talking and he's real, Kenny G oh yeah. <laughs> reason this image of <laughs> Kenny G comes up I was trying my to head think head. of like some real masculine actor. I was trying actor. to picture what Daniel Day-Lewis looks like and for some reason Kenny G came okay, up Okay, in mind. this movie picture his hair completely pulled back off his forehead right. and, and it's as long as Madeline Stowe's okay. and it's kind of in a ponytail in the back and it's kind of frizzy. i have to like Google his image okay. but anyway, I, it, yeah. I thought it seems like I thought he was attractive but I Yeah, can't now a lot of people, it's funny because over the years I've heard people talk about how they mm-hmm. think he's attractive. I just now, you, in the movie, yeah, yeah he was okay in the movie but just for me i personally had a thing for uncas um anyway (laughs) so and i need to hush up because i'm not kidding i after that movie i had the biggest crush on him i swear (laughs) but anyway um but i thought the casting was really really good okay Okay. so um oh i even made a little note here uh that daniel that um cora and hawkeye both had long pretty hair and alice i want to just I feel like she's definitely worth mentioning. The younger sister, Mm -hmm. Alice. Okay, she was played by an actress named Jodi May. Okay. And I just felt like all the acting in the movie was good. Mm -hmm. I just felt like she had one of these... You ever hear people say someone just had a role of their lifetime, mm-hmm. and it was—I don't know how to explain this. It was a very—it um, was almost like a secondhand role. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say that. Like she was definitely one of the like a Yes, actresses. yes, like a supporting yeah. actress. But I felt like for her role and just what little mm-hmm. she had in it, I just felt like she was outstanding. Yeah. Her, um, her. This is uh, this is funny, but every, almost every scene she was in, she had to. She was constantly being horrified by things she mm-hmm. saw. She was be she was just thrown into like massacres and mm-hmm. shootings oh, and stabbings, yeah. and, and just to watch her go from being a normal uh, British girl because she mm-hmm. was just you know British girl, and just and watching her just deteriorate throughout mm-hmm. the movie was fascinating. Yeah, and some of her. Uh, face, like, kind of... Um, her expressions. Her expressions in the movie, or just, I mean, you could, it was, it was like you was really, you were really watching someone just fall apart, mm-hmm. and it was like she was literally going insane. Right. And she was just, uh, I can't say enough about what a good job she did in that movie. Way to go, uh, what was her name? May. Way May. To go Jody May. Yeah, and she spells it J-O-D-H-I. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the reason why this is one of my favorite movies is, as always, is the setting. Okay. Mm-hmm there's it's just beautiful so the Mm -hmm. like there's forests there's waterfalls there's caves there's big cliffs um there's just lots of beautiful scenery and like there's there's one part in the movie just is really cool like the girls they're they're being transported you know by all the guys there and this is where anything's really happened and Mm -hmm. one of them glimpses through the forest and she sees this cougar or, oh, or yeah. mountain line, whatever it was, and she just sees it kind of slipping through the woods, mm-hmm. and it was just so cool. It was just kind of a powerful mo- moment showing you, wow, we are literally we're in the wild, Right. yeah. Um, okay, the music. I love the music. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the music that was playing at the first, I was laughing when she was. I didn't know she was going to play that, and I was yeah, why like, where were oh, you laughing? Because I, it just, I don't know why. I don't know why I was laughing, but it was like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> I picture like on the Titanic <laughs> when they're doing the one they sit down the is that why you're laughing yeah well now I did I okay let me stop it <laughs> well I hate to yell be sorry um, no oh, I love the music okay. and I was just laughing because like oh my gosh I forgot that. I think the reason I was laughing is because I played it through the the whole yes. freaking movie. you talking I about mean, Last of the Mohicans? Yes. Yes, okay. Like the whole yes. movie. You know how sometimes they'll kind of do variations on the music? Twin moment. <laughs> I just feel like they did it through the whole movie. But now I'm laughing because, like, for some reason I'm picturing these, like, Irish immigrants at Well, the it's, of the it's definitely Bagpops. Like fi- and bag it's, pops and it's, fiddle. Or yeah, it's whatever. definitely bagpipes. It's very yeah. heavily influenced. No, I love the music. Yeah. No, I'm just laughing because the thing that I was just getting ready to say oh. before you said that uh. was... It's great, but why do you gotta play it through the whole dang movie? Right, they did. And right. so, you, you and I both noticed that. Yes. that it was. They played that like, through. And I understand that, you know, movies It, it kind of, I mean, it's like a thread throughout the movie. Yes, and and it, I understand it yeah. ties the whole thing together, yeah. but usually they'll do a variation on it. Yes. And I don't remember there being a variation. No. <laughs> it's like I, it was on repeat. Yeah, so, okay, so I, that's funny you said that, because, so I was at work, and sometimes I'll just play music while I'm working. Yeah. And so, I thought, okay, I'm gonna play the theme song, and it was it was a super long version of it. Uh-huh. I don't remember how many minutes it was. This long, but I gotta tell you, guess what? Oh no! It never changed. It right. sounded no. just like that through the whole. Yeah, movie. Th- unless I just missed something, right. but it sounded like that through the whole movie. There's so of composers yeah. out there. Yeah, really and worked. but what was weird to me was it's the name of it's promontory, huh? And do you know what that means? I have no promontory. News. So promontory means a point of high land that juts out into a large body of water. Uh-huh. So. The, yeah, I'm thinking, what's that got to do with well, anything? But I mean, the last scenes didn't somebody have to jump off a real high cliff into the water? Well, I don't think there was water below, but I, but the, oh. I will say this, the movie is full of cliffs and water, so like, yeah. Yeah, I guess I in the way a way that makes sense. I that had a yeah. waterfall. Maybe I'm remembering incorrectly. Well, there's there's scenes where there's waterfalls, and there's a but cave, no one ever but... ever jump off a cliff at the end of the At the, the end, movie. someone does jump off a cliff, but it, it, in the movie, when it shows the, the, the wide shot of it, yeah. it doesn't show any water. Okay. Well, that's um, interesting. Yeah, and what's funny is when I first started my job, that I'm in now, Uh my boss, he loves to listen to music scores. Okay, well, Uh, yeah, he just... And he says people like, oh, the guys make fun of me, but... Anyway, he was playing that in his office. Like movie scores. Movie scores, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, I don't know what I said, but movie scores, and so one... music scores. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I meant movie. Yeah, I do, too. I think there are some movies who have... Yeah, I do, too. I don't think there's anything weird about that. So he... Uh, was playing that song, uh-huh. and he said, I bet you don't know what this is. And I said, I bet you I do. Uh-huh. And you know, and I was like, That's the last of the Mohicans, uh-huh. you know. Was I, it he was... impressed that you knew. Nah, probably not. He's not impressed a lot. <laughs> but anyway, um, it was, it's just so recognizable. Yeah. I guess that's all I'm trying to get at. But anyway, um, it's funny you said that about movie scores because the the movie score that I love the most is Robin Hood. Oh, I liked wow. it so much I played it some of it in my wedding. Yes, um, so I'm that. hoping someday we get to do a Robin Hood book because I kind of oh, have definitely. a... You know me and I kind of have a fascination with Robin I Hood. I love the Robin Hood book you have. It's kind mm-hmm. of a... Oh yeah. think Greg Hildebrand is the illustrator. No, that's a different book. Oh no, no, you're I, right. I'm the little, I love the little. That book. because yes. it's a little children's book. Yes, but you're the right. Illustrations are beautiful. I was picture I was thinking of a different book, but yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah. Greg Hildebrand's an awesome yeah. uh, illustrator. So anyway, I thought it was interesting. Eleven films have been made from the book. Eleven. Eleven. Yeah. Throughout, oh, like no, since the, the '60s. Wow. Yeah, okay. eleven. Okay, let's talk about the book. Here okay. comes the painful part. <laughs> oh lord. Okay, so there's. Mixed reviews. Okay. okay. So, from what I can tell from my research, people either loved it or they hated it. Okay. okay. Guess who loved it? Who? The Europeans. Okay. Yeah, Europeans. Can you maybe take a guess as to why they um, liked... Think of these tales about the frontier yeah, and Indians. It's, and I would think fr- okay. to them it's exotic, the unknown, the unexplored. I mean, they're... More civilized, and it's just something new and exciting. I have no idea. I'm totally guessing here. Yeah. So, can you remember when we did uh, *Sleepy Hollow*? Yes. And, and we discovered that Washington Irving was one of the first authors to give America an identity and to give yes. because up until that point, there really weren't any authors or, or well-known writers in America. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Europeans, the only stories they had was from their own mm-hmm. countries, right? They didn't know anything That's about America. True. And you know that. Goes back to our Daniel Boone uh, mm-hmm. podcast. I don't think I brought this out, but they said that his autobiography or his mm-hmm. bio- maybe i don't guess his biography. I'm sorry, was big in Europe because once again it mm-hmm. was introducing them to characters, places in the New World in or exactly. World, so, the States, yeah. so they were like they were just eating it up because they're like they don't have any idea. All mm-hmm. they hear is about was is from travelers who come and tell them. But now they're like, they can actually sit and read these tales about America frontiers and Indians. And um, I think that they liked it because he just gave everybody these, he used lots of... um, well, he had lots of colorful personalities in his writings, yeah. and uh, I think they liked to hear the, the kind of the rough and the, uh, the the slang, the regional yeah. slang from America, and of course they were fascinated, I, I think they were fascinated with Native American Indians, Probably. and I've told you this yeah. story before, but it's worth repeating. When I was a Girl Scout counselor, which we talked about on our last episode, yeah. um, there was a counselor who came over from, I want to say she was from Czechoslovakia. Yeah. And uh, her name was Daisy, it was her camp name, and uh, she, she spoke very little English, Yeah. and um, I asked her about her time in the States and how she was liking it, and she said she liked it, yeah. and she said, but my lifelong dream is to visit Oklahoma. Oh. And see, and I was like, you know, and I was laughing, Oklahoma. I'm like, boring, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And I was thinking, Oklahoma? And I was just (laughs) laughing, and I said, why? And she said, oh, I I long to see the places where the American, or the... uh, what does she call them? Native American Indians' lived. Really? Yes, that was her dream mm-hmm. in life was to go see Oklahoma well, and see she the just reservations. Come here to our land yeah, our dad used to find <laughs> arrowheads here all the time. Oh, I know. And I was cracking up. I she said, can "Well, come here." I said, Daisy, if you want, I can take you. I can show you the sights. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, I think she had to well, get, get back home. But okay, so personally, I had very mixed feelings about the book. Okay. okay. Okay, I mainly remember it being extremely hard to read, all right? As a matter of fact, I'll just say this right now. It was one of the most difficult books I've ever read in my life. I understand. Okay, all right. You okay? So, okay, so last night Joy and I were texting, and um, she was like, Well, I'm gonna try to just read a paragraph or two, and I was like, Oh, no, don't, because I was actually gonna put her on the spot and have her read the first paragraph on air and just get your yeah, I didn't know you were gonna do that, so I was like, You know what? I bet that's free online, it's a classic, I'm just mm-hmm. gonna skim over the first chapter and get a feel for the style and the language, the vocabulary. So I, when I, and it was, it was free, like the Gutenberg Project or something has it. And so I started reading, well, there's a big introductory. Yeah. So I started skimming over the introductory and I was like, oh, this is so painful. The writing is so hard to understand. And it's so, you know, it's very old style. And Which you just... Oh, yes. if you got to so, say, would you mind I really just, didn't even read any of just for one. our readers? I, okay, I, it's hard for me to sit here and talk about a book being hard to read. I want to mm-hmm. just get them a, a feel. Joy's going to read the first three four sentences. Uh, yeah, I'm going to just read the first paragraph. Okay, how's that? That's fine. Just she's going to read the and first it paragraph. Opens up with the Shakespeare quote, and I did notice that when I was skimming oh, that's over. interesting because we're getting ready to do a Shakespeare yeah. book here soon. So okay. chapter one, uh, my ear is open and my heart prepared. The worst is worldly loss. Thou canst unfold. Say, is my kingdom lost? Shakespeare. Any idea why he used this to open up the last of the Mohicans? Have you researched that? I'd also. I need to reread that quote again. Okay. D- don't worry about it. I, well, uh, anyway, it is interesting that uh, he opened up a book about you know. With Shakespeare. Uh, the French and Indian War and. Oh, you know, uh, Putting my heart prepared. The worst is worldly kiss. No, that's that's too deep. So for me. I'd have to I'd be curious to know why I opened it up with that Shakespeare quote. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah. I'll read a few yeah, I'll read a few little bit here. It was a feature peculiar to the colonial wars of North America that the toils and dangers of the wilderness were to be encountered before the adverse hosts could meet. A wide and apparently an impervious boundary of forests severed the possessions of the hostile provinces provinces of France and England. The hardy colonist and the trained European who fought at his side frequently expended months in struggling against the rapids of the streams or in effecting the rugged passes of the mountains in quest of an opportunity to exhibit their courage in a more martial conflict. I'll do one more sentence. Hmm. But emulating the patience and self-denial of the practiced native warriors, they learned to overcome every difficulty, And it would seem that, in time, there was no recess of the woods so dark, nor any secret place so lovely, that it might claim exemption from the inroads of those who had pledged their blood to satiate their vengeance, or to uphold the cold and selfish policy of the distant monarchs of Europe. That's paragraph one. Okay. So, this is just me. Mm -hmm. That's excruciating. (laughs) Yeah. And, And I can see... And I could see, just reading that first paragraph, how I bet there is some beautiful writing throughout the book. Mm -hmm. But my brain does not want to have to work that hard to understand a book. And Mm -hmm. the fact that you read this whole thing, Mm -hmm. I think you deserve some sort of an award. I just remember, okay, and I've told you this many times, but when I start a book... Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like someone has, uh, it's almost like a challenge. Yes. It's like, I am not going to back down. Yes. And this was one of those books that I was like, I'm going to finish this. I don't care mm-hmm. what it takes. And I remember... Same here. I can be reading the worst book in the whole <laughs> world, but I'm like, you know what? I've invested all this time. I want to know how it ends, even though it's horrible. <laughs> Excuse me. And I will force myself to finish it. Wow. I know people who can put the book and just take it back to the library or put mm-hmm. it away and never finish it. But I can't... I'm not one of those people. Well, I, I, I thought... I thought okay. I've it a couple times, but it's very rare. I know there's something wrong with me because that is... I just don't think that's normal... That you would? Why do I want to um, do that to myself? I don't know, I, honestly. I, after I, reading that first paragraph, this is this is a book that I'd be like, no, can't do it. Right? Not that I can't do it, but I'm not gonna do it. I, to be honest I'm with you, I myself. think the reason I pushed through is because I just wanted to know what was in there. I, I wanted to. I wanted to, I just, I felt yeah. like if I really kept on that it was going to be worth my while. Yes. Okay, so And also there's a Walmart sticker on the front I know, that says two for a dollar. Yes. And I could see you going, what a deal. I'm going to get that. Well, i just it, No, it's funny you mentioned that because I actually was going to say something about that. Uh, and, but I'm pretty sure I got, I'm almost positive I got that from the Hackett Library. So uh, the Hackett, uh, Hackett Library got a, a good deal on okay. it. Okay, they got a okay. good deal Okay. Oh, it. and did I mention, I, I know I mentioned this earlier, I think, but it was written in 1826. Yeah, there's a library card in the back. Um, and oh wow, this is interesting. The last time anybody checked it out, hmm. it was due in 1997. <laughs> you know what's funny? There's what three or four names on that card. One, yeah. And you know what my thought was? Well, not a one of them read this book. Probably. There's not. There's no way. There's not. No, I promise you. No, oh, none of them read the book. You know what is crazy? You know somebody's one name on the there. One of the names on here, which I'm not gonna say it for privacy reasons. Uh-huh. He was one of my students. Really? When I taught them. I was curious if you knew somebody. I do. I know that last name. And now it's funny that you, It's another twin moment that Joy opens the book, goes to the very last cover, looks at the library card, and there's a reason why that's going to come into play. But I just want to mention real quickly, this book was written 195 years ago, and here we are talking about it. Yeah, and I'm trashing it and talking about how, I can't torture myself to read it, but I'm sure at the time... Hmm. Well, did it get good reviews at the time? Uh, uh, it, there was mixed reviews oh, people right, like right. I said, people seemed to either love it or but now the, like I said, the Europeans loved it okay. or a lot of them did right. okay um, okay, so here is this guy that wrote it James fenimore Cooper mm-hmm. is he Cooper sounds like an English name. What, where was he from? Okay, so he was born, if I'm remembering this correctly, I believe he was born in New Jersey. And his okay. dad, one of the things I read said his dad was a congressman. But mm-hmm. I read lots of things about Cooper, and only one of the articles mentioned him being a congressman. Okay. But this is interesting. Her, his dad... Um, Got a bunch of land grants, mm-hmm. and he uh, he he took this land and he turned it into a settlement, and it's called Cooperstown today. Okay. And for some reason, I want to say that the Baseball Hall of Fame is in Cooperstown. Is that right? Yeah, is like that Pennsylvania I, Cooperstown. No, like New. I thought or, I have no. Oh, some reason I was thinking it was in New York. Maybe uh, I have no idea. Okay, I don't know. But anyway, it's, it's yeah, it was called Cooperstown after his and his. So his name's actually James Cooper. And his mother's maiden name was Fenmore, and he oh. added the Fenmore later legally. Oh, okay. yeah. So, so he wanted. Just James it's Cooper. actually just James Cooper, but okay. he added the Fenmore later. Fenmore um, has an I in there. Yeah. I, if that's how you, I don't know how to say it. Yeah. Maybe you do just say Fenmore. I'm really not sure, but okay. So let's just to reiterate. Yeah, definitely one of the most difficult books I've ever read. Um, okay, and this is this is what's funny about that you just looked in that library card slot. Well, when I found my books, I knew we were doing the podcast. Uh-huh. I, for some reason, I flipped to the library card and I pulled it out. And guess what was behind the library what? card? I had written a review about the book when I read it. And that's how I knew when I read it because oh. it was dated 2006. Yeah, and up here it says, read 2006. Yes. Or you just read it. I, well, I had it. written that at the time.
1: Oh, I was writing. That's right.
0: This oh, cool. Once again, Yeti people, whoever you are. <laughs> It's raining. It's going to give a nice wind, little ambiance to our And the wind is blowing. To our and podcast. it's catching. It, the uh, mic is picking up the rain. I kind of cool. like it, though. I, too. That's cool. It's kind of soothing. That's really cool. I okay, so don't you think that's funny character. that I had no idea I had written yes, a little summary yes, about the book? Cool. Okay, so here I want to, I want to tell you now, uh, 2006, um, I was 35. So here 15 years later, I'm going to tell you what I said at the time. Okay. Okay, after I read it. I read one paragraph and almost gave up because the language was so difficult to understand, but I pressed on, hoping to adapt myself to the unusual sentence structure and run-on sentences. thank goodness I did. So you just uh, What did you just say a few minutes ago? You almost uh, you wanted to give up after reading a after paragraph? After one paragraph, mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah, right. not going to happen. <laughs> right. Okay, I got, I got more. Although I had to read and reread sentence after sentence in the beginning, eventually it became much easier to understand. Okay. Not sure why that is. Maybe the writing became simpler as the book progressed, but I seriously doubt that was the reason. The writing in this book is beautiful, and in my opinion, oh, I got to tell you something. You really, really need to listen to what I'm saying in this. Okay. There's a there's a reason I'm reading this. Okay, okay you really got to pay attention to what I'm saying because okay. it's going to come into play shortly okay. after. All right, so I just got through saying I almost gave up after the first sentence, right. and it has run on sentences and unusual sentence structure. All right. Okay. The writing in this book is beautiful, and in my opinion, painfully descriptive. By this, I mean much thought and work went into every sentence. No shortcut or sloppiness in this book. (laughs) The characters are so lifelike, it's hard to believe they did not really exist. I give this book an A++. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was really generous. However, be prepared for some gloominess at the end when the funeral the funeral procession is described in great detail. You will feel as if you've lost the love of your life, and to see the end of the Mohican tribe is tragic, but it is a beautiful and heart-wrenching experience nonetheless. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, how about an A++ plus plus for sappiness? <laughs> it is funny. I'm glad you read that, because sometimes I'll read back over journal entries, yeah. or yeah, similar things, and I'm like... Oh, my gosh. I know. I just want to cringe. Not, no, I thought that was cringeworthy. Yeah, it was. A little. But I, I'm just saying, isn't it funny how oh. as we mature and yes. go on, like, I'll use words. Like, I was cracking up because you said the gloominess. Yeah. I, I just think how our word choice changes as we get older. Mm-hmm. Or, but yes, yeah, so I've read many things that I've written and I just cringe and go, "Oh my gosh, but, that was horrible." Okay, so you remember everything I said. Okay. Okay. I remember everything. You All said. right. I, I talked about so I really was talking about it being difficult to read, but but oh, I loved it and there's yes. no sloppiness in this book. Oh, no, okay. No. No okay, sloppiness. so my so basically just to sum up how I felt at the time after I read it okay. was, okay. I love the movie. So I desperately want to love the book. Right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yes, it's like if yes, I love yes, this, yes. so the book's gotta be good. Yes. Okay, so I mean that's the kind of book someone could have written for, just for me. Okay, right. the storyline. Okay. It was, okay, so I basically decided in my heart, okay, it was hard to read. It was painful. But the fault <laughs> lied with me. It's my inability to comprehend his writing. In other words, <laughs> I'm just not smart enough to read it and understand right. it. But then I stumbled upon something that totally opened my eyes. Okay. An essay was written about James Fenmore Cooper by none other than Mark Twain. Oh, that you... was, because like, he's a great, oh, he's good. Okay. You can roast. Hey, he could roast people. A big okay, time. Twain didn't just roast Cooper; uh-huh. he annihilated him. Really? Yes, okay. Really. That's so that's one thing I like about Twain. He mm-hmm. didn't, to me, and I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong. It seemed like he didn't care what he said.
1: Mm-hmm. And no, he
0: didn't care if he offended somebody. He just spoke truth he like was like definitely he really comfortable felt. in his skin and he yes. was just you know he, he, he was very thick skinned didn't mm-hmm. care i just like that and he super smart stuff for what it was yes you know, if, that, if it's horrible he's gonna call him out that's horrible yeah i like that about him okay so basically what happened was i read the book first and then I stumbled upon this essay by okay. Mark Twain. And what's weird... I'm very curious to see why he has Oh, to you're going to hear. And I do have a question real quick. <clears throat> okay. When I... I'm you not... Know, because I've only read that paragraph. But it reminded me of the style of kind of Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of that type of style of writing. Oh. Do you see any similarities between the Sleepy Hollow writing no. style and this at all? I no. feel like uh, Washington Irving was a much better writer. Okay. Okay. Okay, let's hear it. Let's okay, hear Twain, okay. you're you're it. gonna have you're gonna hear it. Okay, so, like I said, I stumbled, and what's weird now is if you Google "Last of the Mohicans," you're gonna see Mark Twain's gonna come up over and okay. over about this essay. So okay. this essay is actually famous, but I had never heard right. about it before. Okay. okay, okay. So Mark Twain greatly disliked Cooper and all of his writings, even to the point that he wrote an essay of satirical criticism about how bad Cooper was as a writer. Okay, it was called. Fenmore Cooper's Literary Offenses, okay? okay? In the essay, he completely assaults Cooper and doesn't pull any punches. And like I said, he's brutal. So my advice is, I do want you to read this when you get a chance. I want okay. you to read Fenmore Cooper's Literary Offenses by Mark Twain, okay. okay? My advice, though, is you really need to read a little bit of Cooper first to get you in the mood, right. to get you in that setting or whatever, And which is what happened to me by accident. Right. Okay, so, but you, but in other words, you're going to really appreciate it if you kind of lie. know what Cooper's writing is like. you got to know what he's making fun of. Yes. Like talk of yeah. roasting yeah. to get the jokes, to uh, get the humor. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. All right. This is what Mark Twain said. All right. He said, this is one of the, I'm just going to mention a few things he said. Okay. He said, there are 19 rules governing literary art in domain of romantic fiction. Some say 22. In Deerslayer, Cooper violated 18 of them. Oh, he wrote okay. a book called The Deerslayer? Yeah, so he's wrote lots of books. He's The Pathfinder, Deerslayer, Mohicans, he's wrote, mm-hmm. uh, uh, there's a ton of, he wrote a lot of books, okay, yeah. Okay. okay, so he says just in Deerslayer alone, he, he violated 18 of 19 literary rules. Okay, so here are some zam- examples of the rules he violated. Okay. Say what you're proposing to say, don't nearly come, ne- not merely come near it. Use the right word, not its second cousin. <laughs> Do not omit necessary details. Avoid slovenliness of form. Slovenliness of form. Use good grammar and employ a simple and straightforward style. Okay, okay so he's saying that he just your basic. I disagree with that though. If everybody did the same exact thing, we wouldn't have. Well, to- He's just really. saying there's the ba- just some. There's just basic. I think he's saying there's just some basic things you do to keep yeah. your to keep your writing clean and, yeah. and good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, there are basic things you have to do. Yeah, like, yeah, I got it. Now, I, okay, so I have two paragraphs I want to read. And to I said, I, I don't like reading things on air, but you will get a. I promise right. you, you will get a kick I'll, out of this. It. Okay, okay, here's Twain. In his little box of stage properties, he kept six or eight cunning devices, tricks, artifices for his savages and woodsmen to deceive and circumvent each other with, and he was never so happy as when he was working these innocent things and seeing them go. A favorite, a favorite one was to make a moccasin person tread in the tracks of the moccasin enemy and thus hide his own trail. Cooper wore out barrels and barrels of moccasins in working that trick. Another stage property that he pulled out of his box pretty frequently was his broken twig. He prized his broken twig above all the rest of his effects <laughs> and worked it the hardest. It is a restful chapter in any book of his when somebody doesn't step on a dry twig and alarm all the reds and whites for 200 yards around. Every time a Cooper person is in peril an absolute silence is worth $4 a minute, he is sure to step on a dry twig. <laughs> there may be a hundred handier things to step on, <laughs> but, but that wouldn't satisfy Cooper. Cooper requires him to turn out and find a dry twig, and if he can't do it, go and borrow one. In fact, the, the leather stocking series ought to have been called the broken twig series. Oh, that's and, good. Yeah. I love Mark Twain. <laughs> I, I tell you, one of the things I miss most about teaching English... Uh-huh. is I would teach Huckleberry Finn. Oh, yeah. I miss teaching. And then we would talk about, and I love this, just, I know I'm rabbit-trolling here, but mm-hmm. I love this fact about Mark Twain. Mm-hmm. The year he was born, Haley's Comet could be seen in the sky. Yep. And he said, I came in with a comet, and I feel I'm going to go out with a comet. Oh, he kind of had that, a premonition. He had a premonition oh, about wow. his death. And sure enough, he hmm. died... When he died, Haley's comment was in the sky, like okay. seventy-five years later, or however old he was when he died. He okay. had that premonition, and I just love that fact. That oh, that is so cool. And but I just it, love more Twain. Yeah, that was funny, didn't you think? Doug oh, Nate? it was really that funny. That was funny. Yeah, it should be called the Broken Twig. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it is true. Every time there was anybody around, they stepped on a broken twig. Oh, you know, boy, heaven forbid it couldn't be a deer or a bear. Or a oh, yeah, you know, it's so funny. He's like, couldn't he find something besides the broken twig? <laughs> right, uh, yeah. Right. Okay, so here's another thing that he. It mentions, uh, he says, If Cooper had any real knowledge of nature's ways of doing things, he had a most delicate art in concealing the fact. For instance, one of his acute Indian experts, Chingachuk, pronounced Chicago, I think, has lost the trail of a person he is tracking through the forest. Apparently, that trail is hopelessly lost. Neither you nor I could ever have guessed out the way to find it. It was very different for Chicago. Chicago was not stumped for long. He turned a running stream out of its course, and there, in the slush of its old bed, were that person's moccasin tracks. The current did not wash them away, as it would have done in all other cases. No, even the eternal laws of nature have to vacate when Cooper wants to put up a delicate job of woodcraft on the reader. (laughs) I wonder if uh, mm-hmm. Cooper read this, if he read this That's a great question. Article. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, he but it's true. I mean, if you're going to, like, use something cunning as uh, trying to find someone's moccasin prints mm-hmm. by by turning a, a creek off its course, mm-hmm. yeah, they're not going to be there. Right, the, This creek's right. going to wash it away. Okay, and then and then one more thing. The conversations in the Cooper books have a curious sound in our modern ears. To believe that such talk really ever came out of people's mouths would be to believe that there was a time when time was of no value to a person <laughs> who thought he had something to say when it was the custom to spread a two-minute remark out to 10 when subjects mm. were seldom faithfully stuck to but the talk wandered all around and arrived nowhere mm. so oh, right. okay now this is i promise this is the last thing i'm going to say because like i said i really want you to read it because it's it's, I, wish, I don't know. I don't think you'll enjoy it as much as I did because you didn't suffer through a book for two months right. like I did. But, okay. And the last but not least, he says. There have been daring people in the world who claimed that Cooper could write English, but they are all dead now. Now I feel sure, deep down in my heart, that Cooper wrote about the poorest English that exists in our language. The reason, and so the reason I went into so in-depth into that, to let you know what Mark Twain says, because it made me realize mm-hmm. I wasn't crazy. Right, right. Right? yeah. So I was like, you know, that whole time I kept saying yeah. Oh, it's just because I'm so stupid, I don't understand it. The only thing I hate and I'm not an author, but you know, you always hear these stories how authors just put their heart and soul and months and years into their work. And yeah. in Cooper's defense, mm-hmm. I bet he worked long and hard to write these lengthy run-on sentences. Okay, so what year was? I just feel like Mark Twain, even though he's being on, you can be honest and not be scathing. That's true. You know? So, so what, I like Mark Twain, well sometimes year did he's pretty hard Twain so. die? Oh, that's a great! I should. I, I'm getting the impression just from reading this. some of his remarks that he that Cooper was dead long before Twain maybe. was around. Is maybe he, I should know this because I used to teach. Because I mean, wasn't didn't Twain live in the 1800s? I yes. mean, okay. Um. And Fenmore was born, like, in 17... They were, uh, he was born after the Revolutionary War, not too long after the Revolutionary War. I would War, say so. they were at least in the same century. Yeah, <laughs> you know. yeah. But anyway, just to... Just kind of to close things up, I did find another person um, who wrote an article about the differences between the book and the movie. Mm-hmm. And he said... Um, I, I, I want to read you this, because this is just kind of funny. He said, Due to the text complexity and the author's peculiar writing style, it took me quite a while to get into the story, thus reducing my reading speed considerably. Mm -hmm. But once I was one-third into the book, I started to really enjoy it, and as the narrative became more and more complex, I became aware of how much... The book and the movie differ, so so even that's he. That's kind of like you said that. Yeah. So it takes a while just to get used yes. to the writing style, but once you do, you can read a lot. Yeah. So I, I, that's why I just love reading other people's mm-hmm. opinions because it helps verify what yes, I was thinking yes. in the first that I'm not crazy. Yeah. Um. But basically, one of the biggest differences is in the book, two people die, and in the movie they change the person one of the people that dies. Okay. And I don't know why they did that. Um. I guess I can say this. Okay. In the book. One of the sisters dies at the end. I remember it was Alice. Yes. Well, I mean, in the movie, and yes, Alice dies in the movie. Yes, yes. okay, so I guess the might like I said, who no one's Cora gonna do that. So... and Hawkeye make it in the movie, right? Okay, and so so guess right. what? In the book, Cora is the one that dies at the end. Oh. Yeah. So um, and then he just uh, one more thing he said that, and, and oh, you and I have talked about this, and I just. I'm so sick of every time someone talks about something being racist, because that's all we hear 24-7 is how things are racist. racist. But I'm going to have to say I kind of agree. This Mm -hmm. is a different stance for me. I kind of agree with this guy on this. He says, the book is somehow more politically correct than the movie, despite being so much older. In the book, we see balanced contributions from our three protagonists, but in the movie, it is only Hawkeye who takes center stage. Remember you asked me about that earlier? Mm -hmm. Uncas is arguably the most heroic of the group, yet he is put on the back burner. This difference between the book and the movie not only weakens the story, but is marginally racist. And then he says, "Why has the story changed from three heroes to one white hero and his two side coo- and his two a good side cooks?" Yeah, I have to mm-hmm. say I'm totally agreeing with him. Okay, so that, that one I can buy that. Argument. Yeah, he says, "Why did it change from because in the book they're all mm-hmm. equally revered, yes. equally h- good hunters, equally good." Mm -hmm. Equally skilled at hunting, fishing, uh, and shooting. Okay. okay? Okay. So he said, why does the story change from three heroes to one white hero Mm -hmm. and his two sidekicks? Okay, I can buy that. Yeah, and he says, this did not need to happen to drive the story, so was the change made to pander the audience? Perhaps. Uncas and Shingachuk barely contribute to the group's progress as a whole. They don't speak as much, make decisions, or play a major role at any point. In the book, Hawkeye is an older man who is not likely to risk his life freely. He is quite conservative in many regards. And in the book and in the book he is the group's headstrong leader. Okay. So I just I just wanted to mention that because I, t- I as much as I love the movie, I do agree with him a hundred percent that mm-hmm. why did they could have left the two Mohawks to be yeah, just as central mm-hmm. characters, and, and I would have enjoyed it as much or more right. if they maybe, had done that. To me, maybe they were just trying to make the focus on the love story between yeah. Cora and Hawkeye. Maybe. Yeah, maybe that's the reason they took that direction. But and who he knows. and he, this guy, he—I guess I need to say give his credit. To who his name? It was V.M. Simondon. But he believes that it's what it remains a classic of American literature, and he mm-hmm. he believes everyone should read the book. Okay. Okay. So with I'm going to close now, but with with everything uh, with that being said, I love the storyline, I love the movie, but I do not recommend the book to the average reader. Right. And I'm not trying to um, disparage anyone or act like anyone's not smart enough to right. read the book. I'm just saying people like me. And you, I'm not going to recommend you to try to get through this book. Right. It's so difficult. Especially so. when time is so valuable. Yes. And like me, um, I don't want reading to be a chore. Yes. I want it to be enjoyable. Exactly. So I so. gave the book one Mohican <laughs> and I gave the, the movie <laughs> four Mohicans. Okay. Yeah. So that's all I had. Did you have anything you want to add? I gave the movie three Tomahawks. I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> what did you say? Mohicans. Mohicans. Yeah. yeah. I think the movie is probably three point five Mohicans, mm-hmm. and I did not, of course, like we said, I haven't read the book. Yeah, so, so this is one of those weird book uh, reviews that I that it's weird how I love the story but I hate the book. so. I, know, I do. Uh, I agree with that. I think sometimes uh, authors have a wonderful, mm-hmm. original, great storyline. Mm-hmm. If they could just flesh it out and write it, and right, that's really good. But right, so well, apparently people liked it, or they wouldn't have made all these movies about it. That's so. true. Like I said, it's it's just so much in there that's that's really good. There's yeah. some great stuff in there. So, um, all right. So next time, um, I'm going to be talking about a little book I have on. When I say little, it's a little tiny book, mm-hmm. but it's full of uh, Shakespeare. Okay. And so we're, and you know, um, we may have listeners right now going, I'm not going to listen to that one. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's about Shakespeare, so I think it's going to be fun to talk about. Yeah. What Do you have any idea what you yeah, want to talk I about? Just finished a book um, called The How and the Why, and I think I'm mm-hmm. just going to talk about that. It is a pretty powerful book, so i oh, talk really? about that. Oh, yeah. really? Can you give me just a... Yeah, it about? it's about a, a teenage girl who got pregnant who had to give up her baby. Oh. Had to give up her baby for adoption. But oh, the book is from... The daughter's point of view, once she's grown up, the one that was adopted to another couple. Oh, the actual child that, yes. got, that was adopted? It oh. tells the story from both points of view. Oh, okay. And then at the very end, I don't want to do a spoiler alert, oh. it merges, but it's, oh. it's very powerful. So is it a true story? Is it based no. based on true events? No, no? Okay. but I just, it felt so real. So I'll save all that till we have that podcast, but that's, that's the general synopsis. So. Okay, cool. Okay. I'm trying to think if there was anything else that i wanted to mention uh, uh it's raining and let's just yeah i'm thinking we need to go check the weather yeah yeah okay <laughs> Make sure the storm's not headed this way yeah okay all right well thank you for joining us and we will see you next time on twin talk